That's why sometimes corporately we speak out and act out. Consider you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. For some families, it's tied to your financial disposition. Regardless of the reasoning, the financial struggle is felt, and therefore it hurts. Others of you are dealing with relational conflict, something that's, that's very rampant in our nation as we value less what is relationship and as we don't train uh, the next generation how to include interpersonal communication skills that involve uh, struggle and reconciliation. Instead, man, we, we burn bridges and, and cut ties at every turn, wondering why we have not learned the art of forgiveness, not un- understanding what it means to come back together. Because let's be honest, forgiveness costs. It's either going to cost me if I forgive you because I've got to... Uh, clean your slate, and, that, and that's a cost me, because that's what forgiveness literally means. It means that you don't owe me anymore, even though maybe you once did owe me. And on the flip side, if I owe you and you cancel that debt, now I've got, it costs me my dignity because I've got to deal a little bit with my shame and my guilt because I know that I owed you because I offended you at some points. And so it is, there is a cost, but the, the many uh, the, the mighty factor behind forgiveness is love, and love wins because it breaks down walls, and it is the key to reconciliation. See, there are many times that we feel stuck in difficult decisions, decisions that border on the, on the daily. Do I work late? I've got uh, my deadlines, or do I go home and spend time with the family? For some of you students, as you uh, maybe the last few weeks was a tension between do I spend more time studying for the math final or the science final? And so we feel stuck between a rock and a hard place. Others of us have just daily decisions like, uh, maybe not daily, but big decisions on our plate. Do I marry that individual or do I wait? Do I take the job offer or do I stay put? Do I blow the whistle? Or do I look the other way? Do I speak? Or do I stay silent? Today, we're going to notice Joseph was in a difficult situation. He felt stuck, even expresses it. And I think that as we listen to the angel's message to Joseph, we'll find some help in our own lives. When we're in that place of tension, when we're in that place of struggle, knowing that Jesus is coming is really a key piece to helping us, whatever our circumstances are. But with that, we're going to ask the question today, what was the message of the angel to Joseph? Let's read it in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 to 25. And I'm just going to read the story today from the Word. If you're there, follow along, and then we'll uh, break it down. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered... Before they came together, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, from Isaiah 7:14, which is translated, God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Consider three parts of the message of Joseph that are going to help us when we're in those difficult situations in life. The first one is this. Don't be afraid. Follow God's plan. Don't be afraid. Follow God's plan. Fear has been present in every one of these angel encounters. Can you imagine that even in a dream you're experiencing fear because of the presence of an angel? Although I believe that Joseph's fear, tied to the fact that it was also a dream, was also uh, relationally tied. He had a big decision to make. He was in a tough situation. Remember, Mary was pregnant, and they weren't married, and they hadn't been together. Our missionaries that were with us at the tail end of November, I hope you got to meet Misha and Adam Hutchison uh, the second time they've been, been with us in person, and uh, um, just a blessing to have them. But they are ministering in Cebu City, Philippines, and Misha just looks a lot younger than her age. She's 27, but she looks like a college student. And she told us that when she was pregnant with Atlas, she would go and minister on these different campuses, and whenever she would go to the Catholic campus, <laughs> she would get stares. You know, like, like she's a, 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 you know, a good Catholic girl student that is pregnant, like big major no-nos culturally. And this is the kind of thing uh, that, you know, maybe not in the United States, right? We don't have this anymore. But in first century Palestine, where this is taking place, this was a big deal. You don't get pregnant out of wedlock, and yet here we are in this position. Mary is pregnant. She sees and feels the tension. She's wondering what's going on. And Joseph finds himself, himself stuck between this rock and this hard place. On one hand, he had his personal righteousness at stake. And, and it says it so right there in verse 19, right? He being a righteous man. What did that mean? Why is that word even included there? It's included there because of this. If he was righteous, the decision to divorce Mary was already done. He didn't have to make the decision. The law made it for him. And so he's like, okay, it's a done deal. I'm going to divorce her. But if I do it publicly, I free myself. But I condemn this girl I love. But if I do it secretly, well, it might tarnish my name. Maybe I'll create some obstacles in my life. It'll be difficult for me to be hired because people will remember me as the guy that may or may not have gotten his girl pregnant before they got married. And that would have also been a bad deal for him. And that's the second and. Look there in verse 19. And he didn't want to uh, reject her publicly or to, what's the word in the Christian Standard Bible? to disgrace her publicly. So he had decided that he was going to divorce her secretly. The decision was finally made. He was stuck in this difficult decision. But thankfully, the angel showed up with a message. And the message was, don't be afraid. 
I want you to marry Mary. Go with the plan. Now, friends, most of us, we don't have an angel showing up. Wouldn't that be so nice sometimes? Like, I just need a little more clear direction. But I want to remind us, as Megan shared, we do have God's word. And God has revealed himself in a special way so that when it comes to knowing God's will in our life, he he has written and recorded a lot of his desires. Most of his desires are here. We know what his heartbeat is. If we want to do things God's way that's going to put a smile on God's face, we don't have to wonder and be curious what it is as though God did any of this in secret. Matter of fact, even in this text, we we see the angel's message pointing out the fulfillment of prophecy. That God, who has spoken over 500 years before this has happened in a specific way, and can you imagine this claim of all claims that a virgin is going to give birth to a child? Right? We've already been through sixth grade, and it's earlier now, it's fifth grade now, right? Or is it fourth? I know some districts do it in kindergarten, right? They start it there, and they just amp it up, right? Because we just like to talk about it, I guess. But at the end of the day, we know how children come to the world. And the plan for Joseph was to marry Mary in spite of the concern and the image and what everything would look like. Follow God's plan. For us, what does that look like? It might be culturally upstream to follow God's word and to do what God's word says when our culture is telling us something contrary to this. That we might have to link arms with somebody that's not like us because Christ's blood is for them. That we might have to think about people beyond ourselves And quit being selfish because Jesus is for everyone. Friends, don't forget the reason why we say that we're restoring relationships one life at a time, with God one life at a time, is because every life matters. And we want to remember that. We need to remind ourselves that. That's why we say that every week, to remember, not just because God is worried about one, but if we're going to reach everyone, it's going to begin with one. But God wants everyone because everyone matters to him. And until everyone matters to us, we're going to have hatred towards individuals. Look at another thing that will help us in difficult situations. This statement at the second half of verse 20, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Why is this big? Look there at verse 20, you see it. What has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This was more substantiating Mary's claim of her angel visit for Joseph. I'm sure Joseph was questioning the faithfulness of his girl. And now he's got validation from the angel himself. It was also reminding all of us that another reason to trust the plan is that God planted the plan to begin with. Sometimes to do things by the book seems countercultural. It doesn't seem, seem to our advantage or to our gain today because we live in a world where everybody really wants it now, right? We want to get rich quick. We want to be, um, have a lot of friends quick. We don't want to do the hard work of, of what it's going to take slow and steady to get to the finish line. We want all of these cheap shortcuts, and if we can just find a gimmick way to get there, we're going to take it, and we're going to take it all the way to the top if we can, not realizing that those who've made it there have done the long race. 
and there is a way and there's reasoning for the, the way that is mapped out inside of God's word. And God is the one who made the plan. I, I like to tell people all the time, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And some of us go, well, I don't like my neighbor. But I want to remind you this, your neighbor did not give the command to love them. Almighty God gave the command to love our neighbor. We're not necessarily doing it because our neighbor wants us to do it. We're doing it because our Heavenly Father commissioned us to do it. And that changes things a little bit, right? Because we, we begin to understand the, the role in the relationship. We don't have to like our neighbor to love our neighbor. But I promise you this, the more you love your neighbor, the more you'll like your neighbor. Whoever it is. That can be true of your spouse, your children, your peers, your co-workers, your friends, and your frenemies. But again, I have to be reminded things like this. Nobody in Eudora, Kansas asked us to come to Eudora. Nobody said, hey, come plant a church in Eudora from Eudora. It's humbling sometimes, right, to think about those things. I'm so glad God commissioned that. I'm so thankful that the Christian Evangelizing Association of Kansas said, Eudora needs a new church with a growth. They need a good church that's going to stay true to God's word and, and teach it faithfully and bless families in, in our community. A new church wasn't conceived by the Kansas 10 corridor in the communities in this region. It was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God wanting his church to expand. And the same is true in your difficult situation. God might have you right there because he wants to show those other people that are going to be involved what it means to do the right thing, even if it means everybody doesn't like you for a season, and even for a long season, maybe even the rest of your life. Can we be in a difficult situation because God put us there to fulfill a plan and to plant a seed for others to know him? See, what was conceived in Mary was from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph needed to get on board with this. This wasn't her idea. She didn't want this either. We know that pretty, pretty well from her surprising response that we studied last week, right? She's like, dude, how can this be? <laughs> this is a big deal. But she, like Joseph, went ahead and said at the end of the day, okay, my obedience remains intact to you. Friends, think of it this way. If we have to ask ourselves, whose plan are we following? If we're following God's plan, we may have to hold on for the ride. But we know that even though it feels terrible now, it will be terrific down the road. It might feel terrible in the circumstances. The being pressed and the squeeze is terrible. But if we are not following God's plan, then we are accountable for the terrible and the, that we are experiencing now. And we are re and, uh, and repenting from the sin and usurpation of God's plan will result in a course where the terrible can become terrific. But only if we're following God's plan, recognizing that the plan was conceived in us by the Holy Spirit of God. And it needs to take place even in that order. Let's look at the third thing. The third thing is this that we learn from this angel visit to Joseph. God is making a way for us to be with him again. God is making a way for us to be with him again. 
To me, the best part of the gospel is this truth. God wants to be with you, and he wants to be with me. Does it get better than that? I mean, there are people that I don't want to be with (laughs) all the time. And most of the time, I find that that's because of failings in my life, not theirs. But I can honestly say I've never felt that way with God. As scary as his presence is, it's still safe. And it's still where I want to be. And the fact that he wants that too seems wild to me. We could never in our own ability repair the broken road. Jesus had to come and to put on flesh to fulfill the scriptures. Look at those verses again, 21 to 23. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Again, Jesus in the Greek, the transliteration from from the Hebrew, Savior. The word Jesus literally means Savior. And we get the additional so we can get the Greek word in there as well. Because he will soterion his people from their sins. He will be the Savior of his people. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will conceive, become pregnant, and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which translated God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. And God had to join us in the terrible to satisfy its need, to see a great need in us and meet it, That was always a part of the plan. Remember, it wasn't plan B. And the terrific result of the plan is that because Jesus did fulfill the old covenant law for himself through his obedience, he was also then qualified to fulfill it for us by becoming our same kind sacrifice when he died in our place. And then he satisfied it for all times when he defeated the final enemy of death in his resurrection. That is the most powerful truth of his first coming. That he came to give us life, not death. That he came to take everything that was terrible and make it terrific. If only we would chill out and not be afraid and follow his plan. If we would recognize that he's the one that instigated this. So if we're going to be upset at anybody, go ahead and be upset with him. He's big enough. But at the end of the day, to remember that really the biggest reason that we even endure the terrible is so that we can see the terrific reminder that Jesus wants to be with us forever. And in this terrible situation that Joseph was feeling in the first century, it was to make that true, not just for him and his wife, but for everyone that ever lived before, during, and after Jesus' life. Powerful reminder. Sometimes that alone reminds us that the terrible that we're dealing with isn't so bad in the end. Let me wrap up by saying this. I love that the text includes verse 24, that Joseph woke up and he was obedient. He did what God asked him to do. Friends, our faith, our witness Our name might be put on the line. But remember this. In those terrible moments, God has room to do something terrific for his namesake in the midst of our terrible situation. 
I like music. Anybody heard this the song that's out by the Casting Crowns? Nobody. Oh, I'm gonna do my best to sing you the chorus and the bridge. It says like this: I'm just a nobody. I'm trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. And ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but you, Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history. As another blood-bought, faithful member of the family. And if they all forget my name, well, that's just fine with me. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. And I think that sometimes in the midst of our terrible, we forget that it's a terrific opportunity for the people around us to forget us a little bit and come to know Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. The bottom line today is this, that God make himself known to others through you this Christmas. That's why he came. He came to reconcile us. He wants to be with us. And you may not recognize it. It might be that this week your biggest stress is that family member you're going to have to sit across the table from. (laughs) And even in the midst of that, what an opportunity for Christ to show his grace that him reveal himself to others through you this Christmas and every day as he turns terrible into terrific again and again and again. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray, and I'm going to invite the band to come and close us in a song. And again, remind you, please join us Christmas Eve. We have so much fun at our service, and uh, my message will be even briefer than today's on Christmas Eve. We're usually about 50 minutes. You can plan on our our service being that, that night. God, we thank you for today. A great privilege that we have to be called your children. To know that in spite of what we've done, and in spite of the situations that we find ourselves in, even if we want to exonerate ourselves, even if we want to pretend that we are righteous, we still fall short of your goodness and your glory and your grandeur. And yet you want to be with us. And you also want to invite others into that relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that we would become less so that you can become more. And if you want to use our terrible situations, train us and teach us, Father, to give you permission to wreck our lives, to take us in a direction that's going to bring glory to your name, to be allowed and to give you permission, God, to uh, change our calendars, to change our circumstances, even if we think for a season it's going to bring us harm so that you can get glory. In Jesus we pray. Amen.